0: Oh boy, what a week it has been in the world of NASCAR. Welcome onto to the Backstretch Podcast. I'm News 5's Heather Williams, and gosh, where do we start? I mean, I I guess I'll start by saying it was not a good week to be named Chase and be a NASCAR driver. Chase Elliott suspended for the race next week for an incident with Denny Hamlin, the Coke 600. Chase Briscoe talked to... A whole bunch of points lost his crew chief for forever and all sorts of other craziness for an illegal part on his Ford. So, I mean, I guess the theme for the week is NASCAR's not going to take it, they're D. Snyder, they're not going to take it anymore. Behave on the track, behave off the track, or you're going to pay the price. Uh, I think that Chase Elliott they had no choice but to suspend him a week. He clearly hooked Denny Hamlin into the wall. He clearly did it on purpose. I mean, the data is pretty irrefutable. Denny Hamlin came with receipts. And so they had already done that with Bubba Wallace last year when he did the same to Kyle Larson. And the thing about this is that you just you can't do it on a high-speed racetrack. It's too dangerous. So uh, good on NASCAR for that. The Chase Briscoe thing, I feel like we're beating a little bit of a dead horse here with the, by now, drivers, and not drivers, because they don't really control the cars, but crew chiefs, race teams, should know better than to try to cheat with this next-gen car. And from what I'm hearing, this is a pretty egregious case. There's not a lot of gray area with, they were trying to cheat. They're not appealing so that just gives you a better idea of, yeah, they were trying to cheat. So um, I don't think there's much to talk about in this one because it's it's a thing. Uh, I, Chris and I are going to talk about this a little bit later on. But um, he says, you know, as long as there's racing, they're going to try to cheat because that's part of what this is. But NASCAR is trying to cut it down and, you know, they uh, they got caught. That's all I can say. Our guest this week is Chase Briscoe, and to be fair, my conversation with Chase was before the penalties came down, so uh, we're not going to talk about that. If I had known that that was happening, then I would have, um, I would have asked him about it. But I didn't know it was it was coming down, so um, that's why it'll be a little odd in uh, our discussion of not talking about it because uh, this conversation was on monday so that's that uh also chris and i are going to talk about all the things that we just mentioned here and, and a few more and I, now i'm just babbling so let's just get to it first of all let's talk about well let's just talk about it all he, he obviously was suspended for mm-hmm. uh right rear hooking danny hamlin into yep. the wall a lot of people say they don't see the difference between that and what that they they see a difference between that and what Bubba did uh with Kyle Larson that got him suspended. First let's start with explain why a right rear hook to a driver into the wall. I feel like this doesn't need to be asked, but why that's so dangerous.
1: Well, it's it's the to me it's it's you're you're turning, you're causing that car vehicle, truck, car whatever it is to turn in, a, in an opposite direction of where it's going and it goes to an abrupt halt. And the, the motion, like the inertia, is making that impact very violent to the driver because it's basically a, a head on hit, but it's trying to turn the driver's side into the wall. Which, uh, if you look at the video of Denny Hamlin's head, the in car video and watch his head in the seat. You can kind of see how violent that is, because it it tests everything. That type of impact tests everything that tries to keep the driver, the driver's body, the driver's head intact without lunging forward. And it's uh, it it puts a it it, it puts a big a, a big test on all that stuff. So. Um, it's a little bit more than bumping them in the back or bumping them in the door or turning them the other way because you don't usually run head-on into a wall. You know, not usually. So at, at Charlotte and um, I think it was Las Vegas or was it Kansas? Las Vegas, I believe, when, when the wall was kyle Larson incident, you know, the, the, they're running pretty fast, a high rate of speed, not like on a short track. Uh, high rate of speed going down a straightaway and, and the thing that to me made it worse at Charlotte is because the straightaway at Charlotte, the dogleg doesn't have any banking. Okay. So there's nothing there trying to keep that car turning left. It's just flat racetrack. They're they're trying to turn left through that dogleg and all of a sudden wham, you go the other way, you run straight head in the wall, like in a snap of a finger, a blink of an eye pretty violent, pretty dangerous. Um, Are any of them really not violent? No, no, but this one, and I think it's a rule of thumb, everybody knows it, that it's like the, it's one of those unwritten don't do this rules. Uh, It's a a thing that, it's an understanding between everybody. It'd be like kind of a, a pitcher intentionally throwing a 105 mile an hour fastball right at somebody's forehead okay, not at their feet or their knees or whatever, but right at their head. It'd also be like the batter taking the bat and throwing it straight at the pitcher. It would be like an offensive lineman in football intentionally hitting a player, a defensive lineman, in the back of the leg. You know, it's one of it's those things that like, okay, this is, this is out of bounds. This is out, you know, I'll bump you in the door, I'll hit you straight in the back bumper, I'll rub you. I may even run you in the wall side. You know, side slap you. But I'm not going to turn you. I'm not going to right rear hook you. It's just one of those things that's kind of a given that you don't do. And uh, you know, Heather, to be honest with you, we're seeing way too much of it. In my opinion, uh, it's kind of the cows are out of the barn here. And I, I think, I think NASCAR getting these a little tougher about it.
0: So, did they do the right thing by suspending Chase, or would you like to see them do more? I mean, would you like to see them take away his playoff waiver for missing the race? Like, what, what can be done?
1: I think at this point, I think at this point, the, the penalties need to get stiffer. I know that everybody likes to see the personalities of these guys. They, we, you know, we thr- as fans, I'm going to say as fans, I'll put myself, where my, my spectator and fan cap. Because I am a race fan, even though I participate, I still love the sport. Everybody likes to see passion. Passion means anger. Okay, when I get mad, I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to knock your, I'm going to knock your hind end off. You know, I'm going to make, I'm going to make you suffer a little bit because you just ruin my day, or you just knock me out of the way, and I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to be pushed around. Okay, we all like to see that, but it's it's got to the point to where. You know, everybody talks keeps talking about disrespect. There is a lot of lack of respect here, and I think there's lack of respect for the unwritten rules that have been part of this business, this sport, this game for for many years, and, and people have respected it down through. And now I think the loss of respect, I personally think as a sanctioned body, NASCAR needs to step in and say, okay, we're, we're, we've got to start drawing some lines. We've got to make these penalties tougher. I think if there's there needs to be some guidelines that everybody knows about so that if we in our judgment, if you do this or that intentionally, that, you know, you're going to sit out a couple races and if you make the playoffs, you're going to sit out the first race of the playoffs. You're not going you're not going to be able to participate. And to me, you've got it that would get it beyond the driver's emotions. They would have to stand back and say, Oh wait a minute! My owner and my sponsors are not going to like this. They don't want to hear that I was mad enough to do this. They they want they really want me to look at the big picture and say, look, if you're that mad at that guy, meet him out in the parking lot and bust his nose or something like that. But but don't don't be doing stuff that's going to cause us to to miss you know what our goal is at the end of the year to run for a championship and and have a have a you know, have have the chance of like, okay, you're not going to qualify for that. You're not going to be invited. So I I think it's time that things might need to they might need to reel some of this in, and they're not going to reel it in by just talking to the drivers. They're going to have to put something out there that says, okay, this is what's going to happen, and then make it happen. You know, stand behind it. And pretty soon, I promise you, you'll see those guys say, okay, this ain't worth it. Uh, I'm not doing this. I may you know me and him have to might have to meet down at the gas station and just have it out here after the race or something but we're not going to do it on the race track in, under those you know under those circumstances
0: the toughest penalty handed down in the next gen era was handed down yesterday to uh, chase briscoe and stewart Os racing for simulating a part and basically having a counterfeit part in their car uh, and Tony Zippendelli basically said, yeah, we got caught, and we're not appealing this. Uh, mm. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious what they were trying to do. They were trying to see if they could duplicate a part and get it past NASCAR, yep. but uh, why is it? Why would a team do that when they know the penalty and, uh, you know, should, should the penalties maybe be even harsher for, for guys that are – that are basically, you know, trying. I mean, this was a blatant, you know, yep. effort to cheat.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, let's face it. Now, fudging, cheating, whatever you want to call it, getting around the rules or by the rules to get an get an advantage on everybody else, it's not anything new. It it's it's not anything new. Not only in NASCAR, but it's in every sport, in every competitive business there is. You know, that's that's why people go to jail sometimes. That's why people have fines. That's why people get suspended and so on and so forth. This is I know that the cup teams are are struggling with this new car in a lot of different ways. Um it's this thing puts them in a very tight box. And there's also been some issues that the parts that they're supplied, uh, not not necessarily supplied, but the parts that they can acquire that are spec parts, they have to buy them from this source and they have to be specifically for this use, sometimes are, are out of kilter as far as the quality control. You know, the specs themselves, the size, the weight, the diameter of a hole, the the squareness, the shape, whatever. And they have to do some alterations and there's already been some penalties because of that. And it's it's I guess it's up for us to in our own minds to say, well, is this really necessary? Or did they do it yeah to make it fit, but in the process they made it a little more aerodynamic or a little bit lighter or something that gave them a competitive advantage. I, I'm not I don't really know what part it was that they did, but if they admitted that, yeah, we got cheating, we got caught. um, Pleading guilty doesn't take away the punishment. Um, I think NASCAR's trying to make a point and that the the next gen car, let's face it, is already a sore subject with a lot of car owners and most of the drivers for different reasons. Uh, There's some issues with it. Everybody's frustrated. I've talked to several people that tell me that they spend more time checking and doing quality control checks on the parts and trying to get them all ordered and get get them in the system. They spend way more time doing that than they actually do putting cars together. So that's frustrating. And now everybody, it's very, very competitive. It's very hard to run up front. It's very hard to get an advantage. And they're looking for every place they can to get an advantage. And sometimes those places aren't within the rules or aren't within the law. So I think I think there needs to be some pretty harsh judgment here about okay, how can we stop this? the The, the penalties have to be, I guess the risk has to be way more than the reward and then that's a that's a barbed wire razor sharp line to walk and yeah um, this project has brought on some pretty stiff growing pains and I know that it's hard for everybody but that's kind of that's kind of the swamp we're in right now and I I don't know I'm not I'm not going to pass judgment on a particular team or the, the manufacturers or NASCAR to say, okay, th- this is too much or not enough. I-, I, think it's, I think it's gonna be just a work in progress, you know, and somewhere along the line, you gotta be able to say, okay, this is where, this is where we're landing this is what we don't let go, and this is maybe what we do let go, but everybody's gonna have the same thing to a point, and you're just gonna have to drive it harder or do a little bit, or make better decisions as crew chiefs and race engineers, have your setup closer, your pit crews better. D- d- does that make good racing? <sighs> Maybe, but not always. So I've always said, you know, that, that to me, trying to make things perfect is not the right thing to do because I think perfect is boring. And I think when it comes to car racing, it could be very boring. And we don't, we're not gonna sell boring. We sell entertainment. That's the bottom line. And I'm hoping we can find common ground here soon.
0: I feel like this week, I I feel a little sorry for the race winner. Like Ryan Blaney <laughs> broke a 58 race losing streak or whatever, and nobody's talking about him because of all the craziness with, with Chase and Deddy and Bubba and Amarola getting into it and then this big punishment. Uh for uh, for Stuart Haas, but really it was an incredible race for Blaney, who has been really consistent. He felt like he was on the, the, the cusp of, of winning a race and then went out there. I mean, it was an entertaining race, but I don't feel like from about the halfway point on that there was any, any doubt that unless something went wrong that Blaney was yep. going to win that race. So how big was this win for for him specifically and also for the Ford to have kind of struggled a little bit?
1: i think is a huge weekend for them on what many people many people feel like is the biggest weekend of the year every year in racing you know you start with like we talked about it last week you start with monaco you go to the indy 500 and of course this weekend drug into a very long weekend because of weather but that 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 goes along with it too you know the coke 600 world Side. we always call it the old us older guys call it the world 600 Man, that is, I mean, it is like Tour de France, um, 24-hour Le Mans. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's the test of, it's a test of toughness. It's the longest race we run. And it's, to, everybody knows that going in. And for Blaney, the way I look at it, like, you know, let's face it, you know he's got fast cars. You know he's got good stuff. The kid is a, is a fast driver. He's a talented young man. Um, I think it was I think it was a, a perfect storm to where they had a really fast car and he knew it. and he was like on his game. like he was up on needles, had elbows out driving. He, he knew this was his race to lose. And finally, <laughs> for lack of better words is I think they finally just okay, they finally got the bullets out of their gun and couldn't shoot themselves in the foot. So they won a race and they won a race on the same weekend that his owner won his what 19th indy 500 you know and and his team needs this now they're in the playoffs now they're in the hunt now they've got a little momentum now they've got something to build on and yeah the fords have been a little bit a little bit weak so far this year uh they changed nose pieces over the off season that's been kind of documented and they wanted less drag and they ended up with less drag on their cars, but also less front down force, which has made them hard, harder to get a good balance for these races, especially places like Charlotte. And now they found a little bit of combination. Now they've got some hope. This will give everybody else a, 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 like a gleam of hope. Maybe Stuart Haas and the other Penske teams can, can catch on and say, you know what, we can do this. We just got to find the right combination and work a little harder. And, um, it, it's, I think it's, it's anything like that, man, Heather, it's just, it's huge. It's momentum building. It's like confidence building. It's like, okay, now I'm not just, I'm back in the conversation everywhere we go. Now mile and a half at least they're going to be talking about, well, Blaney won the world 600. So he's, 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 he's a favorite here. So that's going to be the rest of the year. Um, who knows, you know, he may be one of the ones at final four. Uh, going to Phoenix. So uh, that team's had a pretty good record there too. So we'll see. Big weekend for them.
0: St. Louis this weekend. Uh, still kind of a fairly new track to the Cup Series. Yes. So what's the challenge for the drivers in the crew this weekend?
1: T- t- well, it's just, uh, again, they don't have a, you know, they don't have a big book of notes. So they don't have a, their computers not uh, filled with notes on Gateway. Uh, it's a, you know, it's kind of an odd, kind of an odd bird. It's a mile and a quarter in length. The two ends of the racetrack, the turn one and two, and then the turn big long, some people call it three and four. Some people just call it turn three. Turn one and two's pretty tight. Got a little banking in the middle. It turns actually twice, and you come off going on the, at a weird angle. Uh, you do shifting there coming right off turn two to get momentum to go down that long back stretch, and then you go in that big long sweeping turn three which which kind of reminds me of Phoenix, not a lot of banking uh this The track is this old pavement, the surface is kind of broke up, a little bit rough uh there'll be two grooves in turn turn one and two, probably not in turn three and four. Long straightaways, they, they use a lot of brakes there, and they're going to be doing quite a bit of shifting to downshift, to decelerate and then get, get speed built back up for those long straightaways. Um, it's probably going to be pretty warm out there. So um, these guys are going to be doing a lot of guesswork. you know, I don't think they get much practice, and it's going to be, again, a big test for race engineers, crew chiefs, and then the drivers. Or once the race starts, they've they got to kind of deal with what they got. Try to get some minor adjustments on pit stops. Again, it's going to be track position, so it's going to be it's going to be uh, big, big important for the pit crews to be on their game. A little bit everything, a little bit everything, and and uh, we let's see. Last year, I think we had some tempers go pretty high. So you know, having patience also is going to be a big part of that game too. To whoever's going to be successful, we'll see. Maybe ask Kenny Wallace; he might know. That's his hometown. Uh, I guess with him, you all to call it Goofball USA,
2: but everybody has to love him.
0: Chase, first of all, thanks for joining us this week.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me again.
0: So let's start with the Coke 600. I know uh, you probably didn't get the finish you wanted, but the Fords and and Stuart Haas really showed a lot of speed. You guys were up front for a big chunk of that race. How do you think the team is maybe progressing as the season goes along?
2: Yeah, you know, for us, it was, uh, you know, frustrating and a little bit of a struggle um you know and truthfully even as a company i think it was you know very head scratching why at the beginning we all four of us just went instantly straight to the back we just really struggled but you know we all did you know persevere and and never gave up and and by the end you know uh, saw a lot of our cars up towards the front you know we never really got up there but you know the other two or three other cars were, were pretty good you know kevin was probably capable of winning the race so um it was it was encouraging, you know, truthfully on the mile and a half, the Fords, it's been no secret have been uh definitely off and to see a Ford win the race and be really probably the best car kind of all night long. Um was good. You know, wish it was our car and wish it was our company, but just to see that it is capable, uh, that's something that I don't know if we would have said a month and a half ago. So yeah, I, I think you know, there is some confidence that comes with that. Um, but it was definitely a long six hundred miles for us, you know, to to come out of there finishing 20th um you know it's frustrating especially last year kind of battling for the win there but you have weeks like that it's got to move on and we should have I feel like a really good opportunity to uh to try and go and win this week that was a track where we were extremely fast last year so hopefully we can do that
0: yeah I was going to ask it seems like there's a I know that the mile and a half have not been the greatest for the four but it seems like there's there's some tracks coming up where you guys feel like you can be competitive as you mentioned starting this weekend
2: yeah, for sure. I mean, the short tracks are where uh you know we're gonna have to capitalize the road courses too, but the short tracks specifically are places where we can go and, and you know, lead a lot of laps, you know, get a lot of stage points, hopefully win the race. So um, you know, we're kind of right on that cut line. So winning a race would make life way easier. And I think this weekend's a great opportunity for us. Um, you know, last year they were able to sit on the pole, lead a lot of laps and ended up blowing a tires. So we know that we have a car that is set uh, setup that's capable in the past. It's just a matter of, you know, applying the differences to what this year brings. And hopefully we can go there with a lot of speed and um, just capitalize on that.
0: I wanted to ask you about the mile and a half tracks, because I wrote I wrote a story right after Kansas calling the mile and a half the new short tracks. I mean, it yeah. just seems like every time we go to a mile and a half, people leave mad at each other. Is that just a product of this car? <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think a lot of the time we're probably mad at each other. It seems like every week. Um, but on the mile and a half, it seems like, you know, truthfully, it's a little bit easier for us to, you know, race around each other. It's definitely easier to pass, you know, the, the short tracks, I think we're still mad at each other, but we can never get to the person. It's just so hard to get to somebody else, um, and pass them. So, you know, on these mile and a half, you can kind of move around and spread out a little bit and you still have, you know, the really tight quarters. You have guys getting mad at each other um it is crazy how you know the script is kind of flipped where in the past you know the short tracks were where everybody was mad that was our best type of racing typically where now it's it's kind of the opposite the mile and a half have so kind of turned into where we just had these awesome races week in and week out uh you know there's fights after them the fans love them so it is odd how this car has kind of shifted that model. Um, but hopefully we can get the short tracks just as good. If we can figure out how to make all 36 races as good as the mile and a half has been, uh, we're going to really be on to something. So hopefully we can do that.
0: Um, how's your how's your uh, injury? How's your hand doing?
2: Uh, it's doing a lot better. Uh, I finally got the pins out, uh, I want to say last week. I uh, started therapy last week and have already seen a pretty drastic difference uh, just in movement and things like that. I'm still far from where I would like to be, but I'm definitely seeing a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel. Where two weeks ago I would not have saw any light. I don't think so. It's definitely getting better. Um, I don't have any pain or anything like that anymore, which is nice. It's just getting back and back is the biggest thing.
0: So, as a competitor, how frustrating is that for you? Because I'm not a super athletic person, but I had an ankle injury, and when I was dealing with that, it was at times frustrating to not be able to do the yeah. things that I used to be able to do so how do you like just kind of fight through that and get out there in the car and and not because I've never heard you make one excuse about your hand the whole time I mean you're just pushing forward with this
2: yeah I mean truthfully in the car it's not been bad um, you know I don't feel like it's hindered me by any means you know the first three weeks after the injury was probably the best three weeks we've had all season long so in the car it's not bad it's truthfully just everyday life stuff you know we use our hands a lot and you know even using your fingers it's crazy I guess I didn't appreciate how much I actually used them um you know like even now like that's as far as I can bend my fingers so it's just that part of it's frustrating not being able to make a fist um you know and now anytime I go drive something you know I I have to really be careful about if my finger's going to hit anything um so for me that's been the biggest thing is just you know, my finger won't go all the way straight, but it also won't close all the way either. So that's probably been the most frustrating thing is just everything I do, literally everything I do, you know, even if I'm fishing, you know, my finger can't close all the way. So I have to like, be careful that I don't hit it on anything. So just everyday life stuff has been more frustrating, but inside the race car, I don't feel like it's really been any different than normal. It's just the process of getting in the car has been a lot harder. It's hard for me to strap my helmet. It's hard for me to do little things like that. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of the situation I'm in. I didn't think it was going to be this big of a deal, truthfully, when it happened. I figured it would be like two weeks and I'd be back to normal. And I think we're on two months now. And I'm still far from where I'd like to be. And it sounds like it'll be six months till I get full motion back. So just a long process. Um, But, yeah, part of it
0: the human body and how it all everybody heals differently and things are sometimes worse than we think we are and with my ankle i didn't think it was a big deal at all and i started to go to physical therapy and i'm like oh yeah this is way worse than i thought it was. yeah i didn't it's realize crazy.
2: not moving my finger for you know four weeks or whatever it was in that splint with the pins in it i i mean i figured you know it would go right back to normal and it, it's crazy how Literally, if you don't move a muscle for two days, like just how instantly you lose motion and strength, and it, it's pretty wild how the body works.
0: Uh, final question for you. We kind of just wrapped up a, a really big month in the sport with uh, with the North Wilkesboro and Darlington and the Coke 600. How big do you think these last few works were for the sport just as far as not only just exposing kind of younger fans to the history, but kind of playing on the national stage? I mean, there were eyes on this sport that, that haven't been on it or wouldn't be on it normally?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the last month was definitely, um, you know, just a a unique month, truthfully. We were really close to home for three weeks in a row where we really haven't been that close to Charlotte three weeks in a row for a really long time on the schedule. So I feel like especially the Carolina fan base um, really got a a huge flavor of NASCAR, which was nice. But then also, yeah, even on a national scale, you know, we had two – you know I feel like well really three weeks in a row where you had just big races you know the throwback race is always one that I feel like draws a lot of attention then you go to North Wilkesboro where we haven't been since you know 1996 and then you have the Coke 600 which is obviously a kind of a crown jewel race so there's just a lot of people watching those races in general that you know especially the uh, Coke 600 is one of those races where even if you're not a race fan like that you just kind of watch it on Memorial Day because it's it's on right like it's a sporting event that is on so I feel like that's been good for our sport to have all the action and just the good, you know, content and stories these last couple of weeks come out, um, especially if there's a new fan watching. And, you know, truthfully, you know, especially on Memorial Day weekend when, you know, there's probably a lot of eyes on F1 and, and, Indy, and the Indy 500, you know, the F1 race was not very exciting at all so the fact that we had an exciting race for those fans um you know can hopefully draw more of our more fans to our sport but we have an exciting time coming up too you know the chicago street race is going to be a race that has probably more eyes on it than uh, as far as new nascar fans than ever before so we just really need to capitalize on that and hopefully put on a really good show and um yeah just continue to build on that
0: All right, for my final thought, I want to talk about street racing in Chicago, because I had the greatest opportunity to go up and see the actual area where they're going to be racing, and I, my mother is from Chicago, I haven't been to Chicago since I was a teenager, I think was the last time I was in Chicago, other than just switching planes in O'Hare or Midway, flying somewhere else, Um, so I was a bit skeptical hearing about a race in Chicago, just from what was the downtown area going to be like, what was the area going to be like, you know, some cities, you know, have all cities have problems with crime and and vagrants and, you know, unsavories. But this part of Chicago that this is in is not that part of Chicago, that part of Chicago exists. I'm sure of it, but that's not where they're going to be racing. Where they're going to be racing is beautiful. It's right on the lakefront. Um, I call it bougie part of Chicago. Um, The course, I got a chance to drive it with Dale Jarrett and I'll be, I'll be sharing that in a a later podcast when we get closer to the race weekend. But um, it's cool. It's going to be so cool. If they pull this off, it'll be great. I was surprised at how wide the streets were uh, because I wasn't really expecting that. So that'll be something else to watch out when it gets closer to race time. And so you can just see for yourself, but It got me more excited about the street course racing. I think it's something NASCAR has to do um, or they're going to be left behind by Indy and F1 who already do the street racing. So um, I look forward to that in about a month from now. That's it for this week's edition of the Backstretch. We'll see you next week.